either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Sean, what's going on? I'm starving, my friend. I'm starving. You're starving? Yes. Yeah? Is there any robot delivery there in, uh, in Manhattan? I'm going I'm going way left of delivery. I'm going to making it. You're making going pizza. Robots. You're going pizza slice. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love a good slice of pizza. Oh, you know, you're in New York. That's a good place to have pizza. But Every uh, corner I turn, there's a... There's a a bar I can hop into and grab a slice for sure. Uh, just cannot wait for that bar to just be like a, a robotic bartender that serve you 3D printed food. How does that sound? I've, I've not, I've, I'm sure they exist in the city. I've not come across one yet. Uh, certainly none in my neighborhood, but that I'm aware of anyway. But I did well, yeah. come across a barista robot the other day. Oh, very cool. I think it was Midtown somewhere. Very um, cool. I didn't see it in action. It was, it was on break. <laughs> they take break too it clocked out of, of the uh, time clock I think. oh my god this is fun you know what is fun sean is that we this is part of a of course with a little bit of uh entertainment to start the the episode this is about ces our coverage of that uh, fantastic event where i'm sure that we're going to be kind of like the jets on there with robots everywhere flying uh toasters and all that kind of stuff and uh we are talking to a bunch of people that actually talk there. They are on panels. They have their keynotes or, or part of the organizers. And today we're actually going to talk about a panel that is, of course, about food, 3D printed food and the robotics. So, uh, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Nice to, nice to see you all. You definitely buried the lead with that intro. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh, are we talking about our research here? <laughs> we we're, we're gonna go. We we lower the level to a point that everybody's comfortable. So <laughs> I can't go lower than that. <laughs> I like that future you, you you depicted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's start uh, with uh, with you, who you are, and uh, and then you can ready go for what uh, we're gonna talk about in your panel. Yeah, happy to be here. So um, so, so yeah, my name is Jonathan Blutinger. Um, I am a food robotics engineer um, coming from Columbia University and um, working slightly with Redefined Meat, who's a plant-based meat company. But um, my background's all in mechanical engineering. Um, I'm not a food person. I'm not a food scientist. I got onto this mostly during my PhD at Columbia. I followed a professor, Hod Lipson, who was doing a lot of work with self-aware robots robots that can create, you know, innovative different things. And one of these things was um, a robot that could 3D print food. Um, so initially, this was kind of a weird esoteric topic. But as I kind of got into it more, I did a lot of research around characterizing lasers for cooking purposes, and then eventually developing a machine that can not only 3D print food for you, but also cook it at the same time. So developing a digital cooking platform of sorts that can um, assemble, cook meals for you. So developing the hardware and the software, 
uh, soup to nuts um, of this kind of entire platform. And I guess that's what kind of landed me a spot on this panel. I love it. And I'm excited about this conversation for many reasons. One, it's a, a topic that I love, food, um, but also technology. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in in your role of robotics engineer. And well, I want to get to the food part of it in a moment because uh, I have some some questions on that. But tell me a little bit about robotics engineering. Um I don't know that it was something that was available to me when I was considering co- going to college and university. <laughs> um, I, I went to the software engineering uh, yeah. world of things. Um, clearly manufacturing uh, robotics engineering there, but not, not a, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Tell us a little about your, your uh, journey into that, that world and what, what some of the things are. Uh, For sure. Available. For that, yeah, for sure. And it's funny you say that because now when I go back to give talks at you know high school or primary school that I grew up at, they all even they all know what three D printers are, which is a crazy idea to me. I gave a talk at my primary school, and these first, second, third graders showed a three D printer on the slide, and everyone was like nodding their head; they knew what it was. And like this is, we didn't even have those, and we barely had those in college. They was like just starting to become a thing. So maybe that dates me as well, which is kind of weird. But um. No. So the idea of food robotics engineering. Um, so my background, like I said, is all mechanical engineering. It's design, mostly design manufacturing, but within mechanical engineering, there's a lot of subspecialties. You can do, you know, thermodynamics, heat transfer design. So I kind of went more towards the design route. Um, and then during my PhD, I just got involved a lot with, you know, developing these machines that can do different functionalities. So, um, I think, the distinction between robotics and typical mechanical engineering is robotics is you're building more with your hands. You're, you're integrating not just mechanical, but also electrical and coding. So a little bit software, a little bit electrical engineering, and then mostly mechanical design. Um, so you kind of have the one that you fall back on, which for me is mechanical design and in manufacturing, but you get a little breadth of knowledge and all these other kind of, you know, complementary fields. And then that can be applied to a lot of different things. And in my case, I apply that towards food, um, which kind of like you touched on, you're, it's an interesting field. A lot of people are interested in it. People I find are very emotional about food. I've learned in this process more so than perhaps religion and politics. That's a very hot take, but I stand by it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a field that can be kind of contentious um, and interesting, especially when you talk about automation in food. And there's a lot of uh, maybe biases with certain new technologies. So yeah, it's an interesting field to kind of get involved with. And I, I love that you, that you went there because when I, uh, I'm software engineer at heart, uh, I look at the operations for all this stuff in the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I share a similar goal with the things that I work on from, from an automation perspective, which is to save time. <laughs> well, improve okay. accuracy and save time. Um, occasionally I'll get into the space of, can I make something better with automation and, and robotics? So I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what you're doing. Is it, is it about making processes more efficient to improve the quality by eliminating or reducing human error? Or is there, we're making food way better because we can print it and engineer it and and streamline processes using robotics 
It's a great, um, that's a great question. I think, I think initially I saw it as, oh, this is going to be such a much more efficient way to do all these great things. Um, but as I've gotten more in the weeds with the technology right now, it's hard. To, if you were to look at this in a short term, you could say, this is not faster. This is not more efficient. This is not cheaper by any means, but it's an entirely new way to combine food ingredients, um, which just opens the door to so many new possibilities we couldn't even imagine. Um, so that's where I think as the engineer and the tinker, I get really excited. Um, but similar to you, I'm also very pragmatic. I feel like most engineers are where if I can do something more efficiently and cheaper, it's a no brainer. I'm going to move towards an automated kind of realm. I see this with fast, casual restaurants, especially with some of these bigger companies, which are starting to create some kind of robotic offshoot where they're trying to automate their processes. Um, so yeah, so without naming any names, you can probably, you've probably seen the articles about this in the, in the paper a lot, but yeah, I think, um, I think for me, so right now it's, 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 it's hard to see that, that end line, but I think where it gets exciting is when you combine software with food, which hasn't really been done in a big way. Anytime you touch software with an industry, it just totally propels it into all these different verticals. Um, and we haven't seen that for food yet. So I think, um, I think that's for me is what, what drives me. All right. Let, let me bring it to society because what's interesting and what people should know is that there is a 100% Italian and 250% Italian on this. And uh, I can picture a lot of chefs in, in restaurants in Florence or even my mom and my dad say, hell no. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen, right? Um, at least for the quality part of things. But, you know, I, I am in technology and I think that we, we can reach the level as we are with other creative. Because for me, food, it's, it's creative as well. Um, so what I want to go with this is that you're going to be on this panel that is called Three Printed Food and Robotics Chef with four more people, if I'm understanding, including the, um, the editor of The Spoon, mm -hmm. which is a publication that the, the name, I think it gives it away, talks about food. And, uh, and you're kind of, I think, projecting into the future, which is my favorite things to do. So what, what is possible now? You, you already said it's kind of slow. It's maybe not better, not faster, uh, not more economical. So number one could be, why do we do it? And what can we expect in the next decade? I believe that's what you're going to be talking about at the panel. For sure. For sure. Um, and also don't want to pretend to be the, be the person who holds the crystal ball that knows what's going to happen in the future. Oh, come on. It's the end of the year. You, you have to. You have to do predictions. There, there will yeah. be Jonathan, right? Every, everybody likes predictions, right? They want to know what happens in five, ten years. Um, <laughs> I think in, in my ideal world, if I were to look 10 years in the future, um, you know, we would ideally have some sort of digital cooking appliance, whether it be strictly a food printer, some kind of laser cooking device or something, some, some modular assembly of multiple different cooking, almost like a cooking box. I think, I think we're getting closer towards more of an automated kitchen um, where these sorts of things will be more ubiquitous in, in our homes. Um, there's so much more connectivity happening around this, even with our personal assistants, with our Alexis. I, I feel like I have to whisper Alexa because otherwise my Alexa is going to act as and I'll hear it in the other room. Um, so I think I think with the whole IoT movement, things are getting so much more connected. 
it's a no brainer that, you know, you're going to have your smartwatch or your something counting your calories, your energy consumption. And then you have some actionable thing in the kitchen, which is going to fill in the gap for you. Cause right now we have so many tracking devices, so many things that are gathering all this data on us, but how can we make this actionable? You know, besides actually making us, you know, look at the numbers and adjust maybe our step counts. If there's something that could actually supplement us in terms of food that can actually use this information, that's where it gets exciting for me. So um, I think a cooking appliance that can customize the meals for you. And I think that's where kind of the, the food printing element comes in. When you have an assembly machine that has all the ingredients and all of the micro macronutrients and you can dial it in um, much more than say, if you go out to a restaurant where half the time you're ordering something off a menu, but you're not actually in the kitchen seeing the chef make it for you. So do you actually know what goes into the food? So in a weird way, I think the, um, digital cooking brings you closer to the food and it creates more transparency and you actually get to see what you're eating, um, which I think is really important for health and nutrition. Because it's software, uh, software is driven by data, right? Mm -hmm. We're also talking about connecting it to robotics, uh, printing the food, obviously putting it in the machine that's going to cook it or cool or whatever process is required. Um, but I can, I can envision a world where you mentioned the restaurant, right? There are famous chefs that have recipes and a process. And if we can replicate those at home using these machines, that, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know if that opens up a whole another world of, of commerce where instead of going to, to uh, the, the times cooking <laughs> and downloading a recipe, you actually subscribe your your system to, uh, to the system to the yeah the recipe catalog and and the way you go. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's definitely an avenue. Um, and um, and I think in in other ways too, it's it's maybe maybe what maybe when an issue I have in trying to predict how this can be used in our lives is it's like it's because it's it's. It's almost as if we're wielding a new weapon in our kitchen. So if you think about a lot of the foods we're used to cooking, you know, Marco, you alluded to Italian cuisine. Um, you know, the nature of having love in the food, I think, is a big thing culturally for a lot of Europeans and, you know, people around the world and each of their cuisines that they cook. So in no way am I trying to replace the pizza napoletana or anything like that. You know, I think <laughs> I think there's there's something to be said about traditional home style cooking. I think this is like, treat this as like having a new cooking appliance that allows you to cook a different type of food. Um, yeah. You know, something that perhaps is layered in a new way or something where you get inspiration from your normal style of cooking, but in no ways actually substitutes what you're used to eating. Um, I, I can actually see, sorry if I jump on this, but like in, no. in healthcare application for that, like the well-being where you're like, okay, um, I need to dial in all these things for whatever condition somebody may have, of course, sure. or a diet. And then, yeah, but if I really want to indulge in really good food, I'm still going to go to the restaurant <laughs> and I cannot see a, a totally. pizzaiolo robotic rolling a pizza dough in the, in the air. But another application I'm thinking, and tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe more of a, I mean, you, you cannot lead onto that with more, fast food but i'm also thinking um larger um places like hospitals for example where you need to really pump out a lot of food and maybe the the manual labor and maybe you're not mm -hmm. paying attention so much to 
the taste of the tomato <laughs> as you would do at a five-star restaurant. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think think about this in a setting where you need more of uh, you need to dial in more um, or, or be able to keep track of the nutritional profile of foods for people who perhaps have certain dietary restrictions. So, like you mentioned, hospital use I think is a great example. You can treat this almost like a nutritionist and a personal chef in one device. So we can recommend meals. It can track your eating habits. So perhaps people who have certain dietary deficiencies too, who are celiac or maybe certain certain gluten intolerances or iron deficiencies. And, you know, I know a lot of research that this is also being um, looked at um, with the army, you know, for soldiers who need to be able to perform at the top of their, right. at the top of their, you know, top of their energy. You know, everyone's a little bit different. Everyone needs a slightly different catered meal. Um, but another interesting one too is, which we didn't kind of see when I first started doing this research is for, for, um, for alternative meats. Um, so when you're looking yeah. at trying to recreate structures or, you know, intricate muscle patterns of different foods, you can do this and dial in fibers, textures, flavors more, more carefully, which is super interesting. Or astronauts and Mars, okay. astronauts yeah. and Mars, you know, mm-hmm. And, uh, ice cream. Yeah, as opposed to bringing a chef, you just bring a machine with you. It's smaller. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to talk uh, briefly about what can be printed. So clearly, mm-hmm. meats. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what other types of foods we and, and meals. I can I can see where a robot puts together a hamburger with the 3D printed piece of meat, and I don't mm-hmm. know do you. Do you print the bun and uh, all the other stuff? I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, so that's all I'm trying to figure out. What what can be printed? Yeah. And why why printed versus just a slab of something? Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's a great. It's a great point. I think. I think first maybe maybe the issue why some people have, have trouble kind of picturing because usually when I talk about 3D printed food, I think people first think that these are ingredients that are made in some lab. You know, they're they're science-based. They're not, they're not real foods, but really printing is just depositing ingredients. It's, it's a, it's a very fancy way of saying depositing, but I think in our heads, we think printing and we think industrial processes, we think old Xerox printing machines with, you know, inks and plastic and all this metallic components, but really that's just a bias. So I think, um, I think what I say is you've, you've definitely had pretty printed foods. Pasta is, is printed, you know, when they extrude it through the molds, they get cut off. You know, burgers are in a way printed because you have to grind the meat and then that's how you get your patty. So those are probably more 1D printing, one-dimensional printing. 3D comes in kind of when you start to, when you can move around in 3D space. Um, so very, in, in terms of a broad stroke, that might kind of hone, hone your thoughts more. But um, I think in general right now, um, when we're printing anything that's a anything that can flow through a nozzle can be printed. So liquids, pastes, powders, small solids. Um, so really, we can print most things. They just perhaps, you know, you couldn't print a whole pear or something like that. You'd have to first turn it into some sort of, uh, you know, a, a paste that can be flowed. So, um, but most of the foods we eat um, start in a soft form. They get their texture, like burgers, for example when you actually cook them. So it's kind of a misnomer right. that you say, okay, all these foods are soft, but once you cook it, you get that texture and that crunch. Um, so really you can fill in the gap there. 
Yeah, I really think I agree. It's like maybe shaping or molding or exactly you know, like a more that that's the one of those cases where the word carry and heavy weight on the perception of things. Um, let's let's get the last couple of minutes, and we already discussed this. You're gonna come back on redefining society. Maybe bring some other people with you, and we're gonna go much deeper into all of this. Um, couple of minutes to end with the presenting or at least asking people to come they're, they're going to see yes or watching it online i don't know if it's going to be streamed or not but um the panel you're going to be on which is going to be wednesday january 10 at the venetian level four we put this information in the in the notes anyway but yep a couple of words and uh invitation to people that may be interested in this yeah i mean i think i think it'll definitely be a very interesting discussion um, the panel brings together people from academic backgrounds like myself, people are in industry, people developing these cooking appliances, you know, not just cooking, but also different types of food. So um, it definitely brings together a diverse panel, which is always what you like to see in a panel, a little bit of push and pull. Um, mm -hmm. And Mike Wolf, the, the host of The Spoon, and who started Food CES. So he's a, he's a big name in this field, understands a lot about the industry. And I think you'll do a really good job of kind of guiding the discussion to thinking about kind of what's coming in the future, what you can expect. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited by it. This is my first CES. I've always heard about this. You know, it's a very renowned conference at this point. Everybody knows most people know about it in the tech world, at least. So I'm super excited about it. And um, I think it'll be a great discussion. No doubts yeah. about it. Gonna be delicious, great lineup there, uh, folks. And uh, yes, I did say it. And food will be served. Right? Food puns. Food. I, I gotta say, it, it comes out like it's hotcakes for me. <laughs> I love it. Well, exciting. Well, this, is, this is really cool. I appreciate uh, you sharing some some of the background on the role and, and what's possible. And I'm excited to hear what comes out of this this panel conversation. Hopefully everybody gets a chance to join you there for that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Redefining Society episode as well. But in the meantime, Marco, we have a lot uh, coming from CES. So yep, a lot of conversation you. are lining up. This is one of the first, actually number two. So we'll, if you're listening to this, stay tuned, subscribe. Uh, we will have a list, uh, I'm thinking more than another five, um, minimum and all before the show and then we will keep talking about what is going on there big event and we're excited to be somehow a part of that as well and i'm gonna go have an avocado toast now i don't know <laughs> if you can print that but i'm gonna just slice it myself guaranteed if at the end of our discussion you will you will be hungry by the end of it if, we, if you're not then oh. we didn't do our job <laughs> of course exactly. I'm, good, good, I'm hungry good. now i'm, I'm going all for right. a slice all right jonathan thank you so much sean thank you so much marco thank you myself so much bye everybody stay tuned for more we hope you enjoyed this episode of our on location conversation if you learned something new and this podcast made you think then share itsbmagazine.com with your friends family and colleagues if you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.